Alrighty, I want to personally welcome you out today to a brand new episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. For those of you that are new here, for those of you that have uh, just started listening to the show, let me introduce myself. My name is Chris Hollifield. I am the host here. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today on episode 557, I get a chat with Jeremy Condor from Huge Brands. We get to talk about how his band, I Am The Ocean, actually led him into what he's doing today with Huge Brands. Such a great story. In this uh, episode, we talk about how he bought Spilt Ink and the hesitation there, and eventually what led him into turning that into Huge Brands. Such a fascinating story. So much fun to talk to Jeremy. We're going to get into that, but I want to personally invite you to the live podcast recording of this podcast, of I Am Salt Lake podcast. We're going to be doing that on August 11th. We're doing that at Title One. They are located at 9065 South, 1300 East in Sandy, Utah. I got a great lineup for you guys. I got uh, David from the Tastemasters podcast. I got Benjamin, the donut critic. I got Braxton, the sex therapist, and Chase from SLC Foodie. They're going to be joining me on the 10-year anniversary live podcast recording happening at Title One. I hope to see you guys there. But enough of that. Let's get into that conversation that I had with Jeremy Condor from Huge Brands. Like I said at the very beginning, such a great conversation. Let's jump into it. Now, now what you were in the you were doing some stuff in the music industry or something? Like, you know, cuz I don't know a whole lot about you, Jeremy. Tell me, I mean, yeah. what what is was your involvement in the music industry? Yeah, so I you know, I mean, I actually, you know, came to the merch game by way of uh the music scene. Um and so in the uh mid to late 2000s um i was in a band called i am the ocean oh and, yeah uh, okay okay i'm i'm familiar with that okay i didn't know you were in that band yeah 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 i, I made it up um <laughs> but uh the uh you know we were we were a band in that scene that was you know really like hot you know hot topic kids of the generation you know our, our, our target demographic was know 13 to like 19 year olds and uh they really engaged with merchandise and we realized early on that you know we could sustain and grow our band and be able to you know go to the places we wanted to go and get in front of the people we wanted to get in front of um by leaning into merchandise and uh so we 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 put a lot of focus there and you know over, over the years made a lot more money doing that than we did from the you know actually playing shows or album sells um but you know it'll the, the package allowed us to to, to to have some success and to you know do that for the period of time that we did so um that's that's kind of you know it ties in with uh the huge brand story because that's that's where i learned you know the importance and the value of merchandise yeah well no i mean that's a that's i mean that's a best place to begin the podcast really is because I was kind of wondering like where the idea to start huge brands was, you know, how this all came to be. But yeah. I mean, you kind of just shared that story right there. Yeah. That that's so how long ago was that? How many, yeah, you might've mentioned it already. What, what year did you say that was? Um, so, so that band started in 2004 and was really active um, until, about 2011, I left the band in um, 2009, and then it was in 2010 when uh, I bought a company called Spilt Ink, which later became Huge Brands. Now, what was your what was your role with the band? So I played bass, and I uh, 
handled all things business and organization and operational and um, made it tick. Talk about that. What, when did you decide to take, so you're, you're making merch for this band, selling it, just really doing it for yourself, doing it for your own band. When did you decide to say, Hey, maybe we could do this for other people? Yeah. So the opportunity actually came to me, um, spilt ink, which was, you know, what the company was called prior to huge brands, um, was started in the early 2000s, I believe in 2002, by a good friend of mine named Tony D'Amico, who saw a gap in the local um, music scene in that it was hard for bands to get merchandise made because the the companies that were doing screen printing and embroidery and doing that type of thing, they weren't really that interested in working with bands and they didn't make it easy to do so. They didn't really understand the demographics. So he started spilting um, specifically to make his own band's merchandise as well as all the uh, all the bands that were in the music scene that his band was in at the time. And you know, initially my band became a customer of Spilting and I learned I learned the act of screen printing and you know how to how to make merchandise um, by working for Tony when my band wasn't on tour in exchange for like a sweetheart deal and producing our our band's merchandise so we had better margins. Um, after I quit I'm the Ocean in uh, 2009, I was kind of a aimless, directionless boat out to sea for a little over a year. Um, and, and, uh, the opportunity to purchase spilt ink, um, came up not once, but twice. And on the second time I ended up buying the business and thinking that, Hey, you know, I know enough about this that I think I can make this work. And I've got, you know, faith in the customers that Tony had built and, you know, thought there was something pretty special about the opportunity. So what did Tony approach you? And he's like, Hey, uh, Jeremy, you want to buy this business or what? So, you know, Tony just let me know that he was looking to sell the business. Yeah. Um, and the reason being that he was taking, you know, a, a, a full-time career move, um, that has been really great for him. And, and so I was interested and I explored, you know, the option of, uh, purchasing it with Tony. I actually ended up, you know, um, getting pretty far along, but deciding to back out because I was, uh, fearful of the debt. He ended up selling the business to his accountant, um, his tax accountant, who actually is my tax accountant to this day. Um, <laughs> That's but, awesome. But, but uh, he owned it for about a year, and it, it didn't do what he thought it was going to do. Um, you know, he wasn't he, he wasn't hands on managing it. He hired some people to manage it, and so it had a rough year. Um, so when the opportunity came up again to purchase it, uh, you know, my name was was in the hat, and uh, at that point, I decided to pull the trigger. Now, was this your first like entrepreneur, like sell, like own business or, or have you done other business ventures prior to buying Spilt Inc.? No, this was, this was definitely the first, you know, legitimate business that, that, you know, I owned the, uh, the band, I am the ocean and, you know, some bands I've been in before that, um, you know, definitely were the, you know, of that entrepreneurial spirit and, and I'm the ocean was, you know, whether or not, you know, we were paying taxes properly was a legitimate business that was, you know, generating money and paying its employees who were the, you know, the, the, the rest of the kids in the band and, you know, somewhat supporting you know our, our our real lives but also but completely supporting you know our, our our touring lives during that time so you know there's a lot of stuff that i learned in that endeavor that translated over to you know running a business and you did did you go to school for business at all 
I didn't. You know, I, I guess my <laughs> that's you, awesome, you, you, though. You, yeah, you can uh, you 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 can publish this or not, but uh, you know, my my initial learnings about business came from uh, selling marijuana, to, beginning with uh, my friends in high school, and, and, and you know, learning that, that you could, you know, if you wanted to smoke marijuana, that you could buy it in bulk a little bit cheaper and subsidize, you know, what what you would pay um, by. By, by selling it to your friends and, yeah. uh, you know, basic economics. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that, <laughs> I love yeah. it. No, that's, that is, dude, that's your story, man. And that's great. Yeah. So why, why the switch? Okay. So, so spilt ink is, is how it was started. That's what people were familiar with the name. I mean, there was already some name recognition there. Why did, why didn't you just keep it solely as spilt ink? And why, and why did you feel the need to transition that into huge brands? It's it's a good question, uh, and you know, there's it, it. It didn't just come with a name change either. It came with a you know a bit of a culture change. Uh, it, 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 th- th- there was a number of things that became different once we became huge brands, um, and you know, internally, I think we still think of ourselves as spilt ink. Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, as a team, we, we produce a piece of merch for everybody in the company, um, every month. And it's all, you know, it, that stuff's all branded spilt ink. Um, it's still really a punk rock vibe, um, within, within the company, it, it, it's still very much that way, but we hit a point where a few things had happened, um, with the company and, you know, we decided in order to keep scaling, we needed, a we needed an identity that was a little bit more versatile um, as well as spoke to what we were trying to do in the marketplace aside from just screen printing. Um, A couple of things that had come up is one um, spilt isn't a word. Um, You know, we say don't cry over spilt milk, um, but it's not a real word. So people's brains are smart and what they end up doing is they end up correcting you without you knowing. So people type split because split is a word. Um, and wait, wait, so, spilt isn't you know, a word. Spilt is not a word. So like, if you look that up in the dictionary, interesting, I've never thought about looking that word up in the right. dictionary. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a word. So, interesting. so you know, it, it made, it made, you know, online and emails and stuff like that difficult. It was something that we, you know, we, worked against from the, the very beginning is, you know, that was a hurdle all the time. They, the, the dot com for spilt ink is not available. It's owned by a, a, a very nice lady in Canada who does not use the domain, but refuses to sell it to me, has been refusing to sell it to me for years. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yep. So, 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 so we had a dot net, which is also not ideal. Yeah. Um, spilt ink Either people thought a tattoo shop, or if they did understand screen printing, it really pigeon us whole it pigeonholed us into uh, just being thought of as screen printers. When we do a whole lot more than that, especially now. Um, the other issue that came up is over time we've acquired a number of competitors. Um, so beginning in uh, 2015, we started uh, going out and buying up other screen printing or embroidery outfits or you know promotional products, different stuff like that. And for a time, we would typically keep their names, um, but we ended up with a laundry list uh, of names when we were answering the phones. And so when we were, you know, thinking about how can we how can we make the identity clearer? How can we make it so that we don't have to abandon the names of the companies we acquire, but um, we don't have to say them all all the time? 
we without you know we need a name that encompasses everything that we do and 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 all the components that have come together to to be who we are uh one of the companies we acquired in uh 2016 was a company called huge sportswear um and huge sportswear uh was started in 1993 um and you know has a, a really rich heritage of being uh, an early player in the destination gift shop souvenir uh, market. And, and so there's a lot of value in, in, in the huge name and a lot of heritage there. And we, we felt that, you know, while like, you know, our, our identity was spilt ink that, that, that you know, to, to pay respect to, you know, some folks who were doing this a lot longer than us, um, that the huge name made sense. And so we adopted huge brands, which, you know, can hold all of the other companies underneath it, um, as well as, you know, future acquisitions or other opportunities or divisions that we build out. Did you, you, this is incredible. Like, you know, hearing your story, I mean, I, I was on your website, obviously before we're chatting and all that. And I was like, okay, what's the story here? I'm thinking to myself, and this is really, I mean, you've really put a lot of thought into this. And I mean, it has really, been um very well executed so bravo to that uh seriously um, well, thank you you know i i, I was kind of wondering like what um how all these smaller companies were just little offshoots of huge brands now how what okay so people listening i hear this all okay jeremy people will reach out to me i'll see it online they'll be like hey do you know anybody who screen prints so people they i mean you screen print small orders, big orders, whatever. I mean, how does that process work? Like if, if let's say somebody's listening and they just want a couple of dozen shirts printed up, I mean, is that something you would do? Yeah, we absolutely do. Um, you know, our typical customers, we have a bit more comprehensive relationship than that. Um, we're usually involved on the creative side, um, on the marketing side. Um, and our, you know, our goal as a company is, to figure out solutions for our clients that are going to get them to where they're trying to go. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we do ends up in retail. So, you know, we, we like to quantify that, like, you know, we make merchandise and merchandise programs for companies that sell, but sales doesn't always have to be, you know, a, a money exchange transaction. You know, you, you could be a, a company that's, you know, looking to drive engagement um, with an audience at a specific event. So if you, you know, if the merchandise that you show up at that event, be it, you know, t-shirts to give away or, you know, some sort of other product to, to, to give to your potential customers, you know, if you get that engagement, we consider that a sell. And so in those situations, we need to be thoughtful about, you know, are we prescribing the right products with the right type of branding and the right package that's going to, you know, help our clients achieve that goal? Um, it can also translate to, you know, if you're, you know, a, a business that's, you know, maybe you're a, a, a solar company and, you know, a big part of your business is hiring, you know, great salespeople to go out and sell your product and you need them to be highly engaged with your company. You know, maybe what you need is, you know, some sort of onboarding kit of, of employee wear and products to, you know, to, to, to keep your team looking like they're engaged, but also feeling engaged and feeling appreciated by the company. So if that's the goal, then we think of that as a sell. We, we try to, you know, put ourselves in a position to, to not just take orders, but prescribe solutions that are going to get to that goal. So, 
you know, back to your question, if someone said, Hey, I need to print a couple dozen t-shirts, we're going to say, absolutely. We can print you a couple dozen t-shirts, but we're going to ask you some questions. What are you trying to accomplish with these shirts? You know, what's, what's the bigger picture. And oftentimes we might say, Hey, you actually don't want to do a couple dozen t-shirts. Maybe you want to do, you know, maybe it's a a tote bag or maybe it's a piece of headwear or maybe it's, you know, a a cooler that's branded by your company because that's going to work better for whatever you're trying to accomplish. Okay. Very cool. Now, do you guys do things other than screen printing there? Like, do you do like, um, stuff on like mugs, Frisbee, stuff like that? Or is it just clothing that you guys do? you're right. Um, you know, with your first assessment, we, uh, everything, everything branded, we do it all. Okay. Um, so, you know, for our customers, we, and our clients, we typically, you know, um, we'll do entire programs like on a retail, in a retail setting. So, you know, if it's a gift shop at say a local brewery, you know, the exit through the gift shop, you look at all the products that are branded in there. Um, we typically did all those products. Um, if it's, you know, for employee engagement stuff, you know, the, the, the corporate customers that we work with, you'll find that we're doing all of those products as well. Now you guys don't have like a storefront, right. Or anything like where people can stop by or, or do you? We, we, we do. Yeah. You, you can stop by a shop. We have, we have a showroom okay. um, where we, we like to display things that we've done, you know, for, for our clients, um, in, in a very retail feeling way, because, you know, that's typically how we expect our, our clients, if they're going to display stuff to display stuff that way. We often get people asking like, you know, cause it feels like a store. People will be like, can I buy this stuff? And we don't really have a way to sell you the things that are in there, but that's exactly what it's meant to make you feel like. What would you do differently if you had to start this whole thing all over again? If you could go back to the very beginning, is there anything you would do differently? Yeah, there is. So until about 2000 and from, so I bought the business August 9th, 2010 until about the end of 2014. um, I really intended to keep the business small and through the latter part of 2014, we gained a handful of employees. I was initially really scared about the responsibility of, you know, their livelihoods. And so, you know, I, I really tiptoed around and, 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 and went into the expansion, um, with some real hesitancy. Once, uh, once I, you know, realized that, Hey, you know, we can do this and we can take care of people. And, you know, as long as our hearts and our intentions are, you know, in the right place that, you know, even if everything doesn't work out perfectly along the way, you know, we're able to be good and, and treat the people on our team. Well, you know, we, we, we flipped the switch and we just decided to go for it and grow as big and as fast as we can. And if I could do one thing differently, it would be take those first few years where we were growing really well, but you know, I, I know that we metered it and we, we didn't, you know, grow the potential we could have because I was afraid of that responsibility initially. Where, where do you, where do you see all this in five years? Like, where do you, where do you want to see huge brands in five years? Yeah. So, um, you know, we want to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest domestically. Okay. Uh, we, we, you know, we see that we're in an industry, um, that has a really low barrier to entry. Um, you know, you can buy some equipment and screen print in your garage, or you can, you know, become a middleman pretty easily and broker from people who, you know, produce and manufacture promotional products and sell them. Um, you can, you know, 
pretty inexpensively buy a couple, you know, a, a, maybe a couple head embroidery machine and, you know, do that out of your basement. And that's, and, 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 that, and that's really cool. And I, you know, I think that that part of the industry will last for a really long time, but there's, it's really difficult in our industry at, you know, the next level companies that are doing, you know, between, you know, two and a half and $10 million a year. Um, there's not a lot of them out there. And uh, a lot of them were started 25, 30 years ago. And there's a lot of owners in the industry, you know, getting ready for an exit. So, you know, we're really focused on, you know, taking great finding and taking great companies who have come this far, likely hit a ceiling and, uh, you know, Possibly we have the opportunity to come in, take over and help them realize, you know, the, 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 their true potential. What excites everybody in our company is growth and just taking any situation where there there is potential and being the facilitators of the opportunity for that. So, you know, we plan to go really big. We're, you know, on a, on a great trajectory. Um we just recently, first part of this year, moved locations. We're in uh, 89,000 square foot facility, so we've got a lot of room to expand now, um, which is exciting for us. And you know, we're we're focused on that growth. We're focused on providing opportunity for the folks that work with us and are on the team. You know, not just to get an annual raise, but hopefully to build you know meaningful, lasting careers and raise families on and you know, experience life to, to, in, to, to a high quality. Um, yeah, I talked a lot. No, you're good. Now where's home for you? Did you grow up here in Utah or where did you grow up, man? Yeah. So I was born in uh, Salt Lake city. And then when I was, uh, I was just about six years old. I moved to a small town that's in the dead center of the state called Richfield, Utah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, after uh, after high school, um, I ended up back in Salt Lake City um, to pursue, um, you know, being in bands and music. And then from, uh, you know, 19 until uh, about 20, let's see, I was born in 82. So 2009, until about 27, you know, I spent you know, a lot of time in vans and buses on the road and, you know, being all over the country and all over the world and um, experiencing that. And, but, you know, the more places that I went and, and even today, the more places I go, the, the more respect and, you know, love that I have for Salt Lake city. This is, you know, really uh, in my opinion, the best city on the planet um, and, and, you know, a, a wonderful place to live and work and, it, you know, it's just it, it, the things we have, no one else has the same combination of things. It's nice to hear. It's a little refreshing. I mean, lately, so many people have, uh, you know, a lot of people's attitudes towards Salt Lake, I, I feel is changing. I don't know if it's because of all the growth here, you know, or, or what, but it's nice to hear somebody say still how much they love Salt Lake City. And, you know, it's, it's definitely changing and it's not going to, you know, it, it's not going to be all the things that, you know, we grew up loving about it, but it's changing as the world changes, you know? And so you gotta, you gotta be thoughtful in comparison, you know, like, sure. Like I get stuck in traffic maybe once a month now and it's annoying when I, you know, I had most of my life when I never have, but you know, I've, I've spent, you know, probably 200 hours total in traffic in, in, in Southern California that, you know, it's time in my life I'll never get back. And we're not nearly there. And if, by the time we get there, that situation is going to be exponentially worse as well. So, you know, 
the, the world moves in certain directions, but you know, in comparison, this is still, this is still the best place there is. I love it. That uh, kind of leads me into, uh, we have some standard Salt Lake city related questions. We ask everybody that comes through the show here, Jeremy. So of yeah. course I have to ask you, you know, people come and visit us. Friends come from out of town or, yeah. or, you know, I, I'm sure, uh, you still have friends that are in bands that come and visit and yep. they're like, show us around. Maybe they have a, a free uh, afternoon and they're like, show us a few of your favorite spots. Is there a couple places you like to show off or like to well, give people the, the tour or, or what's the Jeremy tour? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, if, if they're looking to get outdoors, but they're, you know, they're here in the city. I mean, you, you just take them up one of the canyons real quick and show them how, you know, how beautiful it can get so quick and so accessible and how high up you can get that, you know, that, that quick might take a, you know, a, a loop to come back down through Provo Canyon. You know, I think that that's a, a pretty quick, easy way to show people, you know, the, the majesty that is, is our mountains. Uh, you know, if they've got a whole day, you know, Lagoon is a really special place. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, amusement parks are, are, are a who and Lagoon's a pretty darn good one. And you can carry a cool, cooler beer around Lagoon. And if you want to blow, you know, the minds of your friends from much bigger cities who probably, you know, have a preconceived notion that like you, that there's no alcohol and no fun in Utah, take them to Lagoon and, you know, let them see that, you know, you can drink beers and ride roller coasters and have a hoot at this place that is run by 12 year olds. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty darn magical because that doesn't exist, you know, in the rest of the country, you go to a six flags and you can go to a beer garden and buy a beer for $15, but you can't take it out of there. And you know, it's, it's, it, it's much more, uh, uh it, it's a lot stricter. Um, I think we've got some of the, some of the most incredible food, um, and, and some of the coolest craft bars, um, that you'll find in any city here. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been loving lately, um, a, a restaurant bar downtown called the Ivy. I think it's just a, it, yeah. it's a bar that also sells food. They're not licensed as a restaurant or whatever the sign says, but, uh, that place, that place is killer. And that place has the vibe of, you know, a place that you would go in, you know, maybe a city that's been around a lot longer than Salt Lake, maybe somewhere back East, you know, um, that, that, you know, I don't think we previously had in Salt Lake. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a ton of incredible food here. You know, we've got excellent Mexican food everywhere you go. There's not a state in the, in the union that has better Mexican food than Utah. Isn't that the truth? Isn't we, yeah. we do have some really good food here. Is there anything? Absolutely. Is there anything you would change about Salt Lake City or the Valley or the area if if you had the chance or you had a magic wand or or however you interpret that question as far as change goes? Oh, you know, if if, if I were to change one thing, I would uh, I would make the process of gerrymandering a little bit more difficult. Okay. Um. I you know I I I I I, I think that the. Uh, the, the situation that we have in Utah with, you know, having one political party and one political ideology being, you know, the vast majority of the state, but another one being, you know, the, 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 the prevailing party within our, 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 our metro, metropolitan areas um, is, is really special. And I think that there's a check of checks and balances that happen there. You know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the lack of traffic you know the, the 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 low crime rate, um, the 
the decently clean city that we have if it wasn't for, you know, the, our, our very conservative leadership. But at the same time, you know, I think that we do a really good job at pushing, you know, some progressive ideas um, because we have, you know, we, we have a strong, you know, more liberal minded um policy leaning uh faction within you know some of our cities and i think that you know that's really what has created our paradise and i think that you know from year to year to season to season it kind of shifts one way or the other uh, a, a bit more but you know the way we're progressing we're definitely not pro- perfect you know i think that there's some social issues that we're pretty far behind on but i think that there's some other issues that we're well well ahead of the rest of the country and i think that you know while not perfect, I don't know that anywhere has it better than us. And I don't know that anywhere better um, balances, you know, economic progress with social progress as well as we do. As I kind of wind this uh, podcast episode up a little bit, first of all, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to record with me, Jeremy. I mean, it's it's been an honor to have you on the podcast and I'm so grateful uh, for Jeff connecting us. But how can, uh, how can listeners connect with you and huge brands if they want to get work done or, you know, maybe they want some screen printing or maybe they just want to learn more about what you guys do. What would be like, what's your website, social media? Let's, let's kind of run down that list there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, you know, the website's hugebrands.com. Mm-hmm. Got that.com this time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have the dot com, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my email address is Jeremy at hugebrands.com. Anybody can email me. Um, if you're looking to get some stuff made, I'll likely hand you off to, you know, one of our sales reps. We have dedicated points of contact for every single one of our customers. If you just want to know more about what we do, I'm happy to talk. If you want to tell me about what you're trying to do and what you're working on, I'm happy to talk to you about anything. You know, I don't, I only know what I know, but, uh, I, I really like the opportunity to engage and learn with other people. Um, we're on Facebook, um, huge brands on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. And I, I also believe we're on TikTok, though. I'm not personally. <laughs> Dude, you got to be on TikTok these days, man. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I remember when that, uh, platform came out and I'm like, okay, that's for 12 year olds. And now it seems like that's all the rage, man, is, is, uh, TikTok. It, it absolutely is. My, my wife does a good job at uh, like filtering content for me and then, and then feeding it to me, you know, via text messages. So I, <laughs> I get a TikTok fix without having to, without having to engage and filter for myself. Smart man. I, I find myself at night. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And then an hour later, I'm like, man, I've been scrolling through TikTok here. I got to I got to go to bed here, but, uh, oh man, I have the same thing happen with me. Uh, for some reason, Facebook feeds me videos ah. of like, uh, a, 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 of rage against the machine playing festivals in the <laughs> late nineties. And like, I just, well, what an incredible live band in a festival setting. I just get like, you know, major international festival after major international festival from like 1996 to like 1999 Rage Against the Machine performances. Did Give you, me up all uh, do you remember when they played down at Spanish Fork? Did you go to that show by chance? I didn't go to the show, but I do remember, I remember, yeah. you know, like, like I, I, I lived in Richfield at the time. Yeah. And didn't have a, we didn't have a ride up there, but just not being able to believe that that was happening, you know, and, and and when it got, it was, there was some time in between when it first got announced before, you know, I feel like the local media and people picked up on the fact that this wasn't a normal thing to happen, you know, (laughs) because eventually it was being talked about. But initially I think every young person was like, that can't be real. 
Well, especially in Spanish Fork, what, 20 years yeah. ago, right? Like that's, Absolutely. That, that was, I mean, now maybe it would be, I mean, it would still be weird if Rage Against the Machine played in Spanish Fork, but yeah. it wouldn't be as weird <laughs> as, right, as right. it was 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, at a, at a, at a fairground, you know, yeah. it's just like, and, you know, that, that no one knew what they were in for, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, so cool, Jeremy. Is there, before before I completely uh, turn the recorder off here and, and in the podcast, I mean, was there anything you were hoping we would talk about or that you, you wanted to promote? Uh, I know we just kind of skimmed the surface with everything. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of what happens with podcasts. But uh, I mean, I want to I want to uh, give you the opportunity to to if there was anything you wanted to, to make sure we t- chatted about. Well, I, I think you, you you directed us where you know I wanted to speak, and that was on you know our what Salt Lake is, and yeah. you know I guess you know if there was one thing I could you know tell your listeners is you know as the world changes, it's easy to uh, you know think about the things that you might not like about your situation, but you know in Utah we're really really fortunate, and we've got a lot to be proud of, and I think that you know specifically in Salt Lake City, so you know I think that. You know, if, if, if everybody here um, and everybody that listens took a, you know, a, a couple seconds to, to, to remember and be thoughtful about, you know, the things that we have to be grateful for and how much opportunity that we have living where we live, that, you know, maybe everybody who uh, they engaged with for the rest of their day would, uh, w- w- would get a little bit of that rub off on them. And uh, maybe maybe the world would become a little bit better place here in Salt Lake City. All right. Many thanks again to Jeremy Condor for joining me on this episode of the podcast. All of the links to connect with Jeremy, they're going to be on the website at IamSaltLake.com slash 557. That's for episode 557. So go connect with Jeremy. Go let him know you heard him on the podcast and uh, go tell him hello. Hey, uh, while you're on the website at IamSaltLake.com, go dig through some of the back episodes of... uh, people that we've had on the show. I mean, I've been chatting with some great people in Salt Lake City. I'm sure there's one or two there that you haven't had the chance to listen to and share that episode with your family and friends. That's how we continue to grow the show. I mean, our advertising budgets are very uh, minimal right now. So uh, make sure to uh, share this podcast with your family and friends. Hey, in case you didn't know, I'm a real estate agent here in Salt Lake City. So if you're thinking of moving to Salt Lake City, if you're looking to move across town, maybe you need something a little bit bigger with a home office in it. I would love to help you find your next home. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Shoot me a DM on Facebook. I don't care. Uh, my number is 801-244-2908. I'd love to help you out. I'd love to answer any questions. I'd love to uh, help you out with any real estate related questions. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. I am here every week with a brand new episode showcasing somebody or something here in Salt Lake City, Utah. You guys have a great week now. Bye.